Welcome to the Expat Cast. This is the podcast where expats share their stories about fitting in, standing out, and every mishap on the journey to finding home abroad. I'm your host, Nicole. So last week I said it was my Gedeutschtag, so the third anniversary of me moving to Germany. And this week I think is also an anniversary, or somewhere around this week at least, the two-year anniversary of the Expat Cast. So cheers to, to two years of this wonderful podcast experience and thank you to everyone who's been a part of it along the way whether you're a new listener whether you've come on as a guest whether we've chatted on social media or emailed you've been along for the ride since the very beginning <laughs> I'm so happy that this podcast exists and that it's a part of my life and for me it's pretty impossible to think about my life in Germany without thinking about the expatcast and all that that means for me and for you who listen for us as a group of people, as a community. <laughs> I started this podcast because I couldn't stop panicking about the very thought of what if I'd moved abroad and didn't end up in Freiburg and specifically in a job and in a community that was super duper helpful, had tons of great resources to share with me. How the heck would I have done this whole thing? Because I had a lot of help and it was still very hard. <laughs> and, um, and I wanted to make the podcast to try to create something that would be be helpful for other people who did move somewhere where there wasn't this infrastructure and who are feeling alone and in need of community, in need of the knowledge that other people struggle in similar ways. And even sometimes resources, so concrete resources that can help you through. And I'm really thrilled to know that that effort that I've been putting in has been working. Every time I get an email or a message on social media or a podcast review, Every time I get a message like that and someone tells me that this thing that I've been working so hard on is helping them, I kid you not, that's what keeps me going. That is that is the whole reason that I'm doing this. I'm so glad to know that and thank you to the people who have gone out of their way to tell me that because, yeah, I, I'm not able to make money with the podcast due to my visa. So it's fueled by positive vibes and kind, supportive words from you guys. <laughs> Now, actually, it occurs to me as I'm saying this, wow, hey, look, I'm about to have a great transition. Um, this episode today is all about starting from the bottom. And in the episode, I, I bring up how important I think it is to point out that those of us who no longer feel like we're on the bottom of our expat journey only got here through the help of a lot of people around us. So shout out to all the people that helped me in my first year, which inspired me to start this podcast. And Thank you to all of you guys who have listened and, and who have communicated with me because that interaction too is, is part of why I'm okay and part of why I'm no longer feeling at the bottom. My guest today is in keeping with a trend recently. Her name is also Mari, <laughs> similar to last week's guest, and she is just the perfect person to talk about this topic with and you'll hear why. I just have to say our conversation is one of those where I, I feel like a better, stronger person for having heard someone else's stories. And I think you guys are going to have that same feeling. I hope that you guys enjoy. And hey, if you're one of those people listening to this right now thinking, hey, that's me, I, I'm at the bottom. <laughs> Take this episode as a reminder that you're not going to stay there. You're going to climb your way up and we're going to help you climb. We as the wider, looser, undefined expat community and, and people around you in wherever you're living, we're all going to help you climb. You're not going to stay at the bottom forever. You got this. All right, here's the episode. Enjoy.
So my name is Marisa, but my nickname and my uh, interwebs persona is Madi. I am American. I am originally from the state, the great state of Indiana. <laughs> I've lived in Germany for just over six years now. The first four, I lived in Überlingen on Lake Constance. And now I live in my husband's very tiny hometown that nobody's heard of. But I live close to the city of Karlsheim. That's where I work. And didn't you say you're also near, what is it, Rottenburg? Um, yeah, yeah. So I, I literally am between Rottenburg, Ob der Tauber, and Karlsheim. I feel like people have heard of Rottenburg because that's this very famous medieval town. Yeah, and I tell people that um, it's like the Disney World of German medieval villages because it's it's like what Disney World would, would come up with if they're like, oh, let's make a theme park of a medieval village and this yeah. is what it's going to look like. This so is their, like, their Epcot like. section. <laughs> The inspiration for this episode is coming from this this one phrase from from some song lyrics from a from a singer called Drake. <laughs> the lyric being started from the bottom, now we're here. Or as my my friend Aspen um, from Aspen Abroad, the YouTube channel, she likes to say, started from the bottom, now we're German. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's very appropriate because as you and I and probably gosh darn everyone that's listening knows, moving abroad sounds so exciting and and adventurous and romantic and then the reality is yeah you you start right from the bottom and you climb your way up with grit at every step um and I'm so excited to have you as the guest for this because you have not only your own stories but stories from your own family so do you Mm want to tell us a little bit about your family's overall stories of migration and moves so I I tell people I'm like a, a second generation expat or immigrant my mom is from Peru. She met my American father in Peru in the early 80s. They fell in love and she decided to leave everything behind, including a very good job as the secretary to the president of a cookie company to move to the States where there was a lot of unknowns. Obviously, she doesn't regret it. She absolutely, you know, she's so happy for the choices she made. But I know with her, it was absolutely starting starting over because she barely spoke the language and being a a high-ranking secretary that that's not going to just you know come to the states and ta-da you're going to get that job (laughs) no it's very humbling when you when you think about it like how much you have this experience but when you can't you know verbalize it it forces you to then to then start over yeah and did she move to indiana right away no she actually moved to connecticut first because that's where her sister was living so my dad traveled for a living. So he was still doing all this traveling even while they were dating and even through like most of their marriage and most of my life at least. And he would then do make sure that his layovers were in LaGuardia or JFK and like make sure it was a few hour, a few day layover so he could see my mom in Connecticut before going on another business trip. Uh-huh. And they did that for six months and then they got married and then he brought her back to Indiana and he was like here's the grocery store, here's the doctor, here's the church, and I'm heading off to Nigeria. I'll see you in two months. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. She's a brave lady to take that all on. She is so brave. She's absolutely, I mean, like, wow. I just, honestly, I I have been, I was so spoiled with how things have been going for me here in Germany because I, I, you know, I knew about what my mom went through and I knew that it could, that stuff like that could happen. Even for me on my hardest days, I'm like, I was nowhere near what my mom went through. She is a, she is a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, wow. And most of the state is very rural. And unless she's yeah, living in yeah. downtown Indianapolis or something like that, 
there's really not much infrastructure that's going to get you about. It's a very mm-hmm. individual kind of a place because there's just not that exactly, many people exactly. around. So, and, wow. And especially in the, in the early 80s, there was there was hardly a Latin population to speak of. Actually, when she finally found enough Peruvians, she, they did you know get together and they created the Peruvian Association of Central Indiana. But before then, she didn't know anybody. She told me she would go to church on Sundays and go to like every mass because she didn't know what else to do. The priest like saw her and and uh, he sat and he talked to her and she was like, I didn't you know I don't know anybody. I don't know what else to do. And he's like, Oh, I know another Latina. And I don't remember which one of my my mom's friends he introduced her to first, but it was through that. And once she started meeting one other Latina, it kind of like it snowballed because you know then you then you found you know you found them because almost all of them, especially at that time period, were usually married to other Americans. So it was a similar situation as what my mom was going through. Oh, wow. That's so nice and uh, incredibly impactful that the priest did that because, yeah, I mean, yeah. we probably know yeah. that from our own experiences, right? Like you, it's crazy the people you can become friends with when you're living somewhere new just based on the fact that you are from somewhere else that maybe shares a language mm-hmm. or maybe shares anything in common or also nothing in common, but you're here and you're in a similar situation and that's and that's enough. <laughs> and that can be such a lifeline gone through a similar experience myself when I w- when I moved to Germany. So, of course, we were living in Uberlingen and we would come to my my husband's village often either for, you know, birthdays or for festivals. And there was another young woman who is also te- I mean she's German, but she's from Bavaria. So, you know, <laughs> and we were in Baden-Württemberg. So, of course, that's in and of itself is practically an outsider. And so she was like <laughs> the only Bavarian in this little tiny village and she knew what it was like. You know, because most of these people in this village, they, you know, their families go back to like the 1600s. Everybody knows everybody. And so to not essentially be in that clique, she knew what that was like. And she was so aggressive to be like, whenever she found out I was in town, she's like, let's go do something. Let's go see a movie. Let's go out and have dinner. And and to have somebody where you you feel rather lost in the beginning and you find that one person, whether my mom was the priest or with my friend, and then through them, you can meet more people, you know, because they they kind of take your hand and, and guide you to like the next step in this assimilation process. Right. Well, because that's the thing, right? When we say starting from the bottom or started from nothing, it's not just the language, though, of course, that's a huge and maybe central part of it all. But for you and me, at least living in Germany, we're English speakers in a country where English is taught. And so we have a huge benefit in that even if we have a language barrier, there often is someone in the area who can communicate with us, which again, isn't Mm -hmm. enough. Mm -hmm. The, The language is still a huge issue. But it's mm-hmm, at least something, mm-hmm. but that doesn't make everything better and everything's just easy for us. It's because starting from nothing means starting with no friends, no family, mm-hmm, probably no mm-hmm. job in the career path that you wanted, maybe no job at all, mm-hmm, very mm-hmm. minimal belongings of your own. So for personal comfort, limited access to maybe certain ingredients that would allow you to cook a meal that feels like home, just everything, yes. everything that you yes. knew is gone or just yep. about. And so it's building up in all of these different ways. So friendship oh, yeah. being one of them, and, and as we just said, having that one friend is honestly just a huge lifesaver in and of itself. Mm-hmm. And then there's the work stuff. So I'm wondering, what did your mom end up doing? She, she was in such a good position back in Peru. So how did she end up finding her way into a work life in America? She actually started cleaning houses, and she was also a companion. Um, so she would help. Uh, her first job, actually, I don't know if you've heard of Victor Borga. Nope. 
So Victor Borger was a very, very famous pianist. He was a comedian from Denmark. He was very big in like the 60s and 70s and 80s and well into the, well into the 90s before he passed away. And he always does like musical jokes. I highly recommend you YouTubing Victor Borga. He's absolutely brilliant. He's, he's, he's wonderful. And he's as actual musician goes, he's also just amazing at the piano. And like I said, his jokes were all music based. And I don't remember how it was, but because he lived in Connecticut and his wife, who's also from my mom, my dad's hometown of Carmel, Indiana, she had had a stroke and needed somebody to help just help her do basic things like help her with grocery shopping and, and just helping her on the house. And, and somehow my aunt found out and got my mom the job. And so wow. that's what she was doing in that, that first six months. She actually lived with them. Their wedding was at their house, their mansion, so which was really awesome. And um, that's how she got started was to just just to be there, just to, to help people, you know. And and because when you when you have a language barrier, unfortunately for her in Connecticut, there is a huge Latin population, so there was something there. So in case maybe she didn't know where to find something, she knew where she can ask somebody, you know, to to, to help her out in that respect. But then after my parents got married and then they moved to Indiana, then that was completely different because there's, there's, there's no Latin TV. Like I said, very small Latin community there. Even the ones that you did were already assimilating to American culture because they were also married to Americans or at least non-Latinos. And, uh, my dad traveled all the time. My mom wanted the flexibility to ensure that there was at least one parent at home at all times for me. So she could have started like she knew plenty of other Peruvians that had like the more professional office jobs. And a lot of them had offered her positions, but she didn't do it right away because, like I said, she just wanted to be there for me. Then when I was about 13, 14, she started sending me to Peru by myself for the summer because it was the only way to force me to speak Spanish because <laughs> I wouldn't speak Spanish at home. And uh, she got really frustrated. So she just threw me on a plane and was like, have fun, see you in a month. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then it was the first time she was alone in the house. And she was like, oh, man, like this is what my future is going to be. Eventually, you know, Madi is going to leave. And so she's like, all right, now I need to focus on myself. And so and then she just did, you know, call, talk to her friends got the ball rolling and she started little with getting an office job and she worked for the Indiana Latino Institute for wherever she was a, a director I believe at some point and now she works for HealthNet where she helps people in the healthcare industry and I'm I'm kind of becoming a, a fan of your mom hearing about her through <laughs> you because like that's such an amazing ability to say oh okay I'm realizing that um mm -hmm. that I need something for me and then she just goes off and does it and does it so right, well right. and just above and yeah, beyond. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> My mom has always been such a go-getter and she's just like, okay, I need to do something. Well, then I do it. And then that's it. Like there's no hemming and hawing. There's no like hesitation. It's just like I do it. Done. Wow. <laughs> well, and did that yeah. having that as an example for you, did that help you when you ended up making your move to Germany? It did. It did. Because I knew I had her support. I mean, what, what, there, there's nothing she could have said. She could have been like, oh, you need to stay here with me. Because it's like, I did the same thing. <laughs> right. You know, and, and in fact, she she was she tried very much to always be supportive. I mean, she was, of course, you know, very honest with the fact, like, I miss you. I do wish that you're here. But at the same time, this is your life. I want you to be happy. And as long as you are happy, then I'm OK with it. Because she, my, my grandmother was not quite as supportive 
in, in the beginning, of course, once my grandmother came to the States and saw what my mom's life was and then actually, actually like my dad, at first she didn't like it, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it, there was, there was also hesitation there as well. And my mom didn't want me to feel the way she felt. And so that's why she tried very hard to be aggressively supportive of my, <laughs> of my decision because she knew how hard it was. Right. Did you move over yeah. with a job or did you have to find one once you got here? I did have a job. It was luck that I was already working for a German company in the States. I managed to work training in their headquarters in Ravensburg. During that time, I went to the head of the department and made the comment of wanting to move and if it was possible. And the, and the guy was like, oh, yeah, that, yeah, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll try to keep an eye out for a position for you. But yeah, we would love to have you. And I mean, there I will, I will admit, I was also, I was lucky there had some friends in that company as well, because a lot of them had worked in the Chicago office and that's how I met them. And then eventually they went back to Germany and one of the ladies there, one of the young women, she became manager of a, of a team and one of her girls got pregnant and she was like, I want Mari for this role. I, I got lucky. I got lucky that I had people looking out for me over on, on this end to help because I know most, like you said, most people come here and don't have anything. And I did. Yeah. I was able to do the literally the exact same job, but it was all in German. And I was expected from day one to do everything in German. Had you learned German already at this point? I'm assuming I, yes, because I, you got the job. <laughs> right, right. Well, yeah, yeah, I knew I knew enough. And that was the thing like with with the head of the department when I when I originally asked him, he's like, well, obviously, you need to speak German. So can we just speak a little bit? And so I kind of like fumbled my way through. I, I took two years in college. And then through the company, they also gave us some free courses, but it was only like a one level and he was like oh yeah that's fine that's <laughs> like oh, yeah wow. yeah to, to, to be fair he had plans for me he, I, he wanted a native english speaker because that company works with a lot of americans and a lot of projects that at least need to be in english and so i i don't think he was necessarily considering my german so much as like uh, you can at least, you know, kind of survive, you know, in the beginning until you get better. But I, I really want you for English. Right. He, he left like six months after I started. So the, the, that whatever plans he had went out the window. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I'm okay with it because I, I, you know, having been thrown into the deep end and there were people that knew English in my department. So if I was really struggling, they would help me. But even for me, I was like, I, I need to learn this language. So I did just tried my my darnest like at least you know 85 90 percent of the time to speak only german and to learn the whole process that i had spent five years working on and start all over and do it all in german right this is a funny thing in some ways hearing what you had when you moved over makes me want to be like oh like you really had a lot of support you had a lot going for you but realistically you still had a super tough time because none of no part of this is easy so even if you do no. have the job in place that doesn't make mm -hmm. it just oh no problem you knew it, you, you were doing a very similar job like you said so you had that comfort too and it still doesn't I mean it does matter it helps a whole lot but it's still <laughs> it is still a tough climb I it mean is. I know for it me is. I feel like working in German it took like a year and some change to actually feel fine about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. like it happens overnight, like that you just throw yourself in the deep end and all of a sudden you're swimming. Like, no, it, it was a it was a hard one battle <laughs> that I'm still losing. It was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. There, there are some days you're just like, oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> 
the first six months were the worst because it was also a, a cultural difference because the way that they not only work, but how they find a solution to problems, the way they, they think within the box or outside of the box is also just very different and causes some clashes once in a while. Yeah. Oh gosh. I'm so <laughs> glad you mentioned that because that's one thing I didn't mention earlier in my list of ways that we, we start from the bottom and it's such a huge one and it's such an invisible one because yeah. Yeah. Uh, culture is just it's so much right so everything from I don't know the children's books that everyone knows and I don't know the movies mm-hmm. that they reference yep. so pop culture we're all starting fresh with that um, mm-hmm. and then additionally the culture that we experience in the day-to-day so when do you follow the rules and when do you break them when do you think take things literally when do you take things figuratively these are things that you have exactly. to learn over time over years and you can't study it, really. I was just <laughs> negotiating a, a puts plan, a cleaning plan with my roommates today uh, before we started recording. And that made me so aware. Again, you know, I'm doing this in German. I'm three years in. I'm feeling so comfortable in the culture and the language. And there were still things that I was sort of implicitly doing wrong in the way I was cleaning or the way I was communicating that were wrong, mm-hmm. not technically, but wrong based on I didn't have a shared understanding of the way the world works because I'm not German mm-hmm. <laughs> and I have a different perspective. So it just comes up all the time. And I'm, I'm so glad you pointed that out. In terms of, of work culture, I remember for, for them, especially in that in that work environment, there, I feel like there's a lot more, I think the word is like emotional baggage. Like you have to think more of like everyone else. Oh, American work culture is very indiv- individualistic. You have your, your task and then you do it and then that's it. But at least in, in, I don't want to say this is German work culture. This was specific, I would say just specific, at least in this, in this team was, you know, you, if you're not sure what to do, you always ask. And it's always like, you know, it's, it's always a group project, even though a lot of the work I'm, I was used to thinking it from an individualistic standpoint, but for them, it needed to be more groupthink. Hmm. Yeah. And that's a fundamental change that affects everything. I actually, I, I do work better alone. And, and if somebody needs something and they ask me, I never say no. So it's not like I don't want to help people. I will always help, but I don't always think that people need help. Right. And I remember having to sit down with my coworkers and be like, all right, guys, we're going to have this conversation once. (laughs) I think through things differently. Do not get angry with me if I don't automatically do something. Never think that I'm doing it maliciously. I just don't think the same way you guys do. And it's just a cultural difference. So if you see something wrong, let me know. I can correct it. That's fine. I need to learn these things. I need to, you know, it, it is part of the cultural experience, but don't get angry with me because I had noticed that people were getting upset with me for things. And it's like, I, sorry guys, like you, you need to also realize I'm not German. Right. Just the way that how the German mindset is does not equate how the rest of the world thinks. And this in the same way goes with American, just because the way Americans do something doesn't mean the rest of the world does as well. And that's fine. But on my side, I, I was totally OK with it, with be understanding that I do things differently and to let people know, hey, if I need to fix something, let me know. Just don't automatically get frustrated with me and try to assume the worst. Just talk to me about it. Right. <laughs> yeah, I think so much of success in in building a new life here comes from the people around you being willing to shoulder some of the weight, you know, whether exactly. they intended exactly. to have contact with a foreigner or not, or whether this is the first person that they've really had to interact with who's not mm-hmm. German or not from the same village or something, um, mm-hmm. or if they've mm-hmm. had practice with it their whole lives, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. They don't have to meet you halfway, right? Like I get that it's not a 50-50 right. process, but they have to right. do some of the work. 
And I think that's important yep. to remind ourselves of too. Like sometimes when you are established in your expat life, it's easy to look around and be like, I have arrived, I am at the top and I've done it all on my own. But that's never the case, right? Your it's coworkers, your your boss who gave you the chance, your mom, um, her priest, her, her sister who lived in the States already, um, all these people have helped mm-hmm. progress that person's journey. And we only get anywhere by accepting help and also demanding a bit of work from our people around us. Exactly, exactly. In the rest of your family, are there more people that ended up moving to the States or elsewhere? Oh, yeah. On my mom's side of the family, um, all of her siblings eventually came to Indiana, which was really cool because my mom and her siblings, they actually grew up separately. All of them being together in Indiana, it was a big deal because I remember them talking about it like, like, oh, if, if my my grandmother was still alive today to see all of her children together, how cool that is and that it just it worked out. So the one sister, she was the first one to came, that came and then my mom came and then it was their brother, my Tio Beto. He was the next one. He was an engineer. Like he studied, of course, and for him, Peru, he, there wasn't really much going for him. I mean, he was very highly educated, but he couldn't find anything, which is why he came to the States. But of course... You know, just because your university degrees don't translate as well from South America to the States versus the States to like Europe. The only job he could get was McDonald's. And he he, he started wherever he got. He got whatever he got. And he actually walked to work because he actually, I think he lived with my cousin at that time, walked to work every day for about a year or two until he saved money to buy his first car. Holy moly. Right? Right? So cool. Where do you even walk in Indiana? Like, are there even... <laughs> they were... The, um, it wasn't walking the same way, like, in Europe walking. It was, yeah, right. it was highways and just walking on the grass because there's not really a sidewalk. Wow, that yeah. is incredible yeah. of him. I mean, it's such a, a humbling moment that maybe you didn't really want if you're in that position where mm-hmm. you, mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. what you're capable of and you know what you can do and you you can't necessarily make the world see that yet oh yeah and that that reminds me of like in terms of um going with with the degrees An- another one of my mom's really close friends who i refer to as one of my aunts she's from Colombia and she was a dentist and went through dental school and everything and as soon as she came to the states she had to do it all over again the whole program the whole program, yeah, because wow. those they don't translate, and mm-hmm. it's the same if you're being a lawyer or a doctor. They don't translate. You have to do it all over again. And right? Yeah, yeah I've, I've had friends of, that have done that too. They moved abroad right after a graduate degree, and that graduate degree mm-hmm. either didn't translate or they don't have the language skills to do the job here in Germany. And mm-hmm. I know a lot of these people have then put off getting the the German form of the education because they think, oh God, I and especially in the states, you know, I just gave my whole life savings and then some. Right, right. You know, I'm, I'm right. massively in debt for this degree that I can't use now. And what do I do with that? And I think for some people, it can be really hard to accept the humility of saying, okay, well, what I can do now is is work at a restaurant or work mm-hmm. in a kindergarten or. Whatever it might be that might feel like a step down. And it's hard to accept that Ugh, everyone comes through a different way with that. Yep. Yep. Ugh, yep. It's, it's, I think, one of the hardest things to, to accept and then emotionally maintain your sense of self-worth and your identity because that education or that career that you had is a part of you and suddenly Mm -hmm. the people around you are not accepting it whether you're happy in your new job or not I mean that's not to say I also know a lot of people who have ended up doing things like now they work in a restaurant or a shop and they're like actually this is great and I love it and I'm very happy to keep doing this and so it's not Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to project Mm -hmm. any form of judgment I'm just saying that's uh, having a part of your identity taken from you 
when you didn't necessarily intend for that to happen is it's just hard it is it is so hard did he did your uncle end up sticking it out with McDonald's through his career oh yeah oh yeah well he I know he became a manager at some point but now he's in uh the catering business and he's he's like a he's a boss so that's awesome yeah he ended up using what he learned there and he got into like better better jobs and I think I know he's in catering and I can't remember what exactly, but I know like, yeah, I mean, he, you know, married an American woman. They have a lovely house and, and they have my cousin and everything. And he, he built himself literally from the ground up. Your family is incredibly. <laughs> they are, they're awesome. They're <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I just, I wish everyone could have these role models in their lives as they make their own moves abroad because some of you know, like you have so many different forms of people that you've seen that made it work. And so I even hear that in your own story. You know, you are lucky that certain people were willing to take a chance on you or that positions got open at the right time. But it's mm-hmm. also a lot of tough work on your part and, and going for it and knowing what you want and, and asking people for it. I could definitely see some some familial traits coming out there. <laughs> it, yeah, it really it really helped. Like I said before, like there, you know, even on my on my worst days, I also knew, you know, it, those days when like the home sick really just leaves you knocked out and uh, I knew I could call my mom and she would just be like I absolutely understand it is totally normal to feel that way just let the emotions roll over you and it will pass Mm -hmm. and it you know just even being able to call her and with technology today being able to talk to her pretty much whenever I want (laughs) is is really awesome. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah, it helped. Did that experience end up bringing you guys even closer? Or do you feel like you understand your mom differently now having experienced some form of this yourself? Oh, absolutely. I've always respected my mother. She's because I had seen her struggle in some when I was growing up and in, in some way. So I knew that it wasn't always easy for her. But now going through it myself, knowing that like I will be better for it going through these, you know, these hardships because I, I've seen my mother come out always stronger. And I think, all right, watching her do it, I think she, yeah, she can do it. I can do it. And then, I mean, it's so nice to turn to a parent when you're having a moment of weakness or sadness. Absolutely. But to be able to turn to your mom and, and have her totally understand this part of you is yeah pretty yeah. special that's not everybody has that I'm very very grateful for that do you have a lot of international friends I know you're living you said it's a very small village and the Bavarian is the other outsider mm-hmm. but if you're right. over your years here do you have a lot of international friends and, and what is it like for them one of my my best friends from high school she was also my college roommate she is also an expat she lives in Shanghai she has lived off and on for about 10 years when she first went to Chengdu to study abroad she was a Chinese major and theater major because this is the perfect combination mm-hmm. and <laughs> she started yeah in Shanghai but she knew she wanted more so she came back to the states and got her master's in business and then came back to, to Shanghai managed to work for a really great company but now she's ready for some changes and she is uh, in the process of trying to move to Sweden Wow. Preparing for this episode, I'm like, yeah, do you ever feel like when you're when you move abroad, you're starting over? And she was like, every single time. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> my life is all about starting over. <laughs> <laughs> well, isn't that the thing, though? I think sometimes about if I want to stay in Freiburg forever, if I want to stay in Freiburg or Germany, even short term, what 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 does five years out look like? What does 10 years out look like? Mm-hmm. God, when mm-hmm. I think about it, I'm like, I, I am so 
still recovering from moving here three years in mm-hmm. that like oh I can't even think about that even the idea of moving to a different city in Germany it's just like oh geez no don't oh, don't yeah. make me do that oh I'm so exhausted preemptively <laughs> oh yeah I mean and for her especially because like like I said she's lived in China on and off for about a decade or so and it was not not in just one place like she right. like I said, she went to Chengdu then she was in China and then she was in Hangzhou and then back in Shanghai she's never actually had a stable place which is one reason why she wanted to, to to try something different to go to to Sweden because in Shanghai it is a very there's a huge expat community which is great in a sense of finding other expats but it's all still temporary because not many of them are there for the long haul right even a lot of starting over with that even in making friends like when you finally make those friends after a few years and they leave and then you're like gosh darn it and I have to do it all over again right she really really meant it with like within the depth of her soul when she said <laughs> <laughs> Every day, it's like starting over. Right. <laughs> I feel like here in, in, in Europe or in Germany specifically, a lot of people that come here, there is, for some people, the the idea of temporary or like not not forever. But then a lot of them just do. Yeah, <laughs> Well, okay, so we've talked about how various people have started from the bottom. And to wrap us up, do you want to tell us a little glimpse into your life today, six years into things? What does it look like? Yeah. If we're, if we're assuming that, you're, that you are no longer at the bottom, that you've climbed, and now what does that look like for you? <laughs> yes, so uh, I did, at some point, I did kind of have to start over again, but in a, in a good way, in a good way. So th- th- to be fair, when I, when I got into microbiology, I, I knew even from the get-go, it wasn't something I wanted to spend the rest of my life doing. However, I kept it up, and then I got the company in Germany. Like When I wanted to get out of Bloomington, I got into Chicago, and that was great. And then there I met my husband, so then I moved to the, to the German site. And then I was there for a number of years, and we made the decision after four years to move back to his hometown. We both moved to Uberlingen, and we didn't have any friends. in that town after four years and to be fair part of it was because he was working in switzerland i was working in robinsburg which was like 45 minutes or to an hour in either direction so we spent so much of our time at these jobs and we had our friends there but then coming home it was wasn't conducive to to making friends it was honestly though living there has been fantastic for our relationship because we were like you know what the world could end tomorrow and as long as we have each other we'll be fine because that's all we had was each right. other for those 4 years you were training for quarantine we were oh training for this we were tra- i mean oh this gosh. was our epic achievement right right <laughs> <laughs> And like I said, we'd, we'd, we'd gone back to his village often enough. I was starting to make friends in his village, not just from my Bavaria friend, but through her. I met the other ladies in the village, and they all, you know, slowly welcomed me into their fold. We're like, you know what? Why don't we move back? Like, okay, and then we can take over the family house, and then I can have a house. Okay, we have all these pros. Thing is, I didn't have a job. While I was unemployed for the first three months, we were in this town, I thought, I should write a book. I mean, I, I say that, but to be honest, I've been writing on the side pretty much my entire life. So now that I was unemployed for three months, I thought, you know, I can actually focus on doing this. So I did and then got a job uh, to be a translator at the same company where my husband currently works at. And I'm in my, my second year doing it. And I really, really like it. It's team is awesome. The work itself is really good and it's really nice to feel needed. I feel like I have finally reached the place where I want to be. And so last October, I finally published my first book. I have finished the first draft of the second book. 
and I'm still doing very well with my job and we're in a great place and yeah it's just everything has finally oh. fallen into place and I remind myself that every step that I have taken leading up to this even every step backwards that I had to take led me to this moment and so that's okay <laughs> first off huge congratulations on on the book and also everything Thank else you. but that's a huge accomplishment and second off I how much better does does it feel to have things be going well right now because you struggled to get there, you know? I mean, it, the ends don't always justify the means, but you know what it feels like to not feel great about the situation. You know what it feels like to have to take steps backwards. And so now mm-hmm. to be where you are, you can really feel it. Oh, yeah. I am I am so... I am grateful. I am grateful for everything because it, even even on those those bad days and those hard days, I knew they were a lesson and, you know, you try to look for the positive in everything. And so that's, especially when you're in a new culture and you are, there's some days it's so frustrating having to, to, to start over where you're just like, Ugh, if I can go, you know, go back to my country, I, you know, I could be an expert in this field, but here I'm treated like, I don't know anything because I can't verbalize it in the language, mm-hmm. but it's like, Ugh, you know what? I, this is temporary. This is temporary. I keep pushing through it and there, change will come. And, and that, that helped realizing that I am still the one in charge of my destiny. And if I don't like something, if I don't want something, I can change it. I have already moved, you know, halfway around the world. What's another change? Yeah. What can't you do? I love it. Well, <laughs> we're going to round the corner and head to home with the ending segment, which is Zach, Zach, Zach. It's a rapid fire question round where I ask you three questions that you answer without thinking it, overthinking it. Just go with your gut. Are you ready? Ready. <laughs> First one, <laughs> the best fast food in the whole wide world is? Five Guys. Oh, heck yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> what is the last song that you sang along to? Mamacita. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, what is your favorite day of the week? Wednesday. Oh, those are your XXX. This was a wonderful yeah. chat, a wonderful episode. And where can people find you, find your book, about to be plural, books? <laughs> right. Most people can mainly find me on YouTube. I have a YouTube channel where I talk about writing as well as being an expat. The channel is called Adventures of La Mari. And you can also find me on Instagram. All of my handles are ML Tishner, which is my author name. And if you want to find more about my books themselves, it's mltishner.com. I will link to uh, the website, the YouTube, the Instagram, all in the show notes. Mari, thank you so much for doing this. This is so much fun to talk to you. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was also very fun. And I'm really glad I got to talk about this topic. Absolutely. And you were the perfect person to talk about it with. I mean, I, I already feel like I have more confidence and more role models just from hearing about your family secondhand. So <laughs> give them all of, all of the awesome. best regards from us as well. Will do. Will do. Thanks one more time to Mari for coming on to the Expat Cast. I've linked to all her stuff in the show notes. And I want to thank Mari's family too, because their stories are, are so incredible. And I'm so glad that she was able to bring them into our conversation. Thank you guys for being the role models that, that we all need. You can follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at the Expat Cast. I would like to do one to two more episodes this season in the Travel Germany series. So if you live somewhere in Germany and you love where you live and you live in one of these places that people might not 
not initially think of to visit, but you think, hey, you know what? My little hometown here, it's got plenty to offer and people should come check it out. Send me a message. My email address is theexpatcast at gmail.com. I would love to highlight your city, town, village, what have you on the show. Thursday, we'll be back in your feeds with actually another Travel Germany episode. And this time we are going to Nuremberg. Until then, have a wonderful week. Stay healthy, stay safe, stay cool. Bis dann. Tschüss.